Hey, and we're back. Now, get ready. Here's my interview with Shane from uh, Drawn and Quartered. Here we go. Talking a ton about the Famine Fest, um, his history as a musician, um, the Seattle death metal scene, and more. And um, just had a really good time speaking with Shane. Here we go. Today is Wednesday, January 7th, 2015. This is an interview with John and Corder's guitarist, Shane, by Nick Perkel. Now, Shane, starting things off, can you tell me a bit about your history as a guitarist in the Seattle death metal scene in the past 20 or so years? Well, yeah, I mean, I've been playing guitar since I was a kid. I didn't start until I was about 14 or 15, and I loved Jimi Hendrix, and I just loved Black Sabbath. And I wanted to be in a band, and I wasn't very good, and I didn't have a very good gear. So I ended up being a singer for a while, and eventually I got some better gear. I got a little bit better, and I tried to do some bands and this and that. And around uh, the early 90s, I finally started getting something going, and I stumbled upon people who used to have a little magazine around here called The Rocket. It was more of just a, a paper, and you could find uh, <clears throat> band members. Finally stumbled upon a drummer, and he turned me on to a bunch of different people. And uh, one of those people was, was Herb, who was the singer from Tron and Quarter. And I kind of stumbled into him around 
these guys were, I mean, if they had gotten a record deal or something, some of these bands, you know about them right now, but they didn't make it. People didn't make it. They quit. They gave up. Whatever. They're gone. I'm here. So the only reason, you know, anybody knows about us is I will not quit. We'll never stop. I'll never quit. I'll, you know. I mean, we haven't had, I mean, we're way out here in Seattle. There's no really anywhere to tour from here. I mean, it's to California, Texas, but there's a huge chunk of land. And any time we have to tour, we have to cover a lot of ground. And it gets expensive. So just up here, and, you know, we'd like to fly out and do some shows and, and whatever. But, uh, yeah, I finally have a drummer that can tour now. And uh, looking forward to getting back out doing a lot more shows this year. Please speak about how long the current lineup of John and Quarter has been around for. All right, so the current lineup includes uh, Simon Dorfman, our drummer now, for the last couple of years. Herb on bass and vocals. He started playing bass in John and Quarter in 2008-ish. After our tour, our bass player quit, and uh, during the tour, so when we got back, we kind of rebooted the band back in 2008, and it took us a while, a couple of years, to write a record and for her to, you know, build up to the level to be able to do John Coulter. And, uh, you know, we finally made a record, and it took another few years for the record to come out. So we're going on five years since we recorded that record, uh, Eating Hell's Furnace. So the current lineup is me, Kelly Shane Cassinda, Herb Burke, bass and vocals. I play the guitar. Simon Dorfman on drums. It's where a three piece is in. We had a guitar player for a while who's a great friend of mine. My good friend, he did help me a lot right on this new record. So we are a three piece. We did have a guitar player for a while. Bo, Bo Galloway from Gravenlock, who's my longtime friend. I've known since he was in Disbelief back in 93. We shared drummers, shared band room, and I wanted to be in a band with him forever. And in any event, that's the lineup. We're a three-piece right now. So. For your band as a whole, what is the typical process you guys go through when coming up with an idea for a song to have it being ready to be performed live? Quite a while now, whenever we write a song, we're usually writing a record. I'm usually writing a record. And we use most of what I come up with. I mean, there might be some ideas we'll toss out, songs we'll scrap, but for the most part, when we're writing a record, I mean, when we're writing a song, it's for a record. It may or may not go on the record. Usually the way it comes about is usually I, I, I'll either write it entirely or I'll have this. Every song's different. Every song's constructed differently. But I mean, fundamentally, I've always, will always have come up with a few whole songs and a few catchy riffs. So I've got something to start with and then riffs to bounce off people. And, uh, you know, of course, everyone contributes something in some way. I mean, I, I might have a complete song arranged and everything, or I might just have a few ideas. Really, a song can go through a lot of a lot of changes, a lot of people's hands, a lot of ideas, refinements, rewriting. But for the most part, really what I do is I'll find a spark, a spark of something's going to spark off an idea. What's it going to be? Usually it'll be, I'll be watching TV randomly, doing whatever, and some kind of horror movie will be on. Anytime there's a horror movie, I like to pay attention. Sometimes I'll record it, sometimes I'll just pick up an idea right from it. But they're always using some dark keys. There's always some diminished, some minor, classically influenced, I mean, um, <clears throat> musical ideas. 
in horror movies. So I have, I have borrowed a lot of memes and ideas from horror. Basically, uses the kind of devices that, and I try to make them catchy. So something dark, something disturbing, something something on in that vein, and then try to make it catchy. So you want to keep. I, mean, I hear a lot of death metal, and there's brutal this and incredible that. But if you don't want to hear a song again, what's the point? I mean, doesn't matter how fast you are, or this or that. I get bored with music for many, many faster and this and that and more brutal. It doesn't really mean much to me. I've seen it brutal as it can get. I want to hear a song. So I don't think, you know, I don't like every song on the record, every track on the record to be a song. Some of them might be more abstract. Some of them might have a different flow. But I like to have at least a couple that are kind of traditional songs, something that you can catch, something that you addicting, something that's haunting. I mean, uh, I'm very influenced by the people. I like to hear, I like I think there's some interesting things about pop. But what is it? Is that it attracts the ear. I want to make a death metal song or a record that anybody could listen to. They might not love it. They not might not buy it. And they'll hear it and go, that's good. That's pretty good. I'm not into that kind of music, and I don't understand the vocals, but that's pretty good, or that's catchy, or that's, there's something redeeming about it, you know what I mean? I mean, death metal's kind of harsh. I mean, when we started doing death metal, it was just lo-fi, I mean, no excuses, no one was thinking about big, you know, productions, nobody had any kind of money like that, and so the stuff that we're influenced by, I and mean, that's been a resurgence people are interested in, is kind of lo-fi, I mean, music, so... Now to take those influences, refine them, but still retain the same character. But, you know, with modern production, and I mean, we haven't achieved that yet. <laughs> but and that's what I'm striving for. What song from Feeding House Furnace were you most pleased with the outcome, and why was that? Yeah, I was going to listen to that record again so I didn't have a better answer. Um, I think the last song, yeah, I should have the uh, CD in front of me because I can remember the titles. Obviously, Mutilated Offerings is one of my favorites. And it's on the 7-inch, and it's a track that we love to perform. Got some cool solo parts on. We also were playing Stab Moon Invocation, and uh, that was a collaboration between me and our old drummer, and I think it came out really cool. This record was kind of unique. It was the last record we played with, we did with Dario. He was in the band for, like, 11 years. So, I mean, that was a sad... And, but I mean, it is what it is, and it's cool. I mean, I'm so lucky that I found a drummer that really wanted to be in the band and wants to tour. But Dario contributed a lot of ideas to that record, so it's a great collaboration. He wrote some of the riffs, the Dabbling in Vocation. And then there's uh, another one that I re- used to really enjoy playing live, and that was called, it was called Consecration, Cryptic Consecration. That one was really fun to play live. The last track on that record, really cool, and it starts off with kind of a doom riff, and it's called No Absolution. So I think No Absolution is definitely one of the coolest songs on there. World in Ashes, too, is one we used to play a lot with Dario. And Feeding House Furnace itself was a song that I wrote entirely and just brought into the band, and we learned it really quickly. And it's just a crushing, shorter song. It's kind of harkens back to our earliest days, just kind of slamming, death metal, crushing. So, I mean, those are my favorite songs from that record. Uh, Mutilated Offering is probably one of the best songs. 
You've been rehearsing about 10 songs or so for the next Drone and Quartered album. What have been some of the more inspiring and exciting moments working on this album that really stand out in your mind? Well, when I was tinkering around with some of those ideas from the horror movies, and there's just no limit, no boundaries. And I love to incorporate lots of strings in the guitar and chords and arpeggio type of droning, haunting, melodic guitar ideas interspersed with just the traditional, just brutal thing we do. And I've been doing that for a while over the years and uh, just kind of worked and developed a song. And I also have tried something else, something new to kind of, that was really cool. And I detuned the strings. So I'm doing a drop A tuning. We tuned the B standard, so I dropped one string down um, to a drop A. And fooled around with that and came up with some really cool droning black Sabbath type ideas. Uh, I got one and I kind of wrote some lyrics for it. I usually, I don't really write your lyrics, but I want to make sure we'll be able to play one of these new songs for our shows. Got a couple shows coming up and uh, I'm calling it, I'm not sure yet, but tentatively, Dispensation Rise of the Antichrist. So I was watching a little documentary about the Antichrist and people believing he's coming this year and that year. He's coming. He's always coming. Antichrist. Gotta be prepared. And all this stuff. And, you know, just, uh, I like to keep it dark. So that's one, one song idea. I, I really love that song. And we wrote three songs. I got three songs put together with this drop A tuning. You know, you're going to use the regular tuning too. There's another one that's got like common a doom intro. It's kind of a doomier song. I love. I started writing this riff years ago, uh, back in 2011, probably. So some of the riffs go back for a while. The first three songs we wrote were kind of based on stuff we were still rehearsing with our last drama. And then I was inspired to complete the record over a period of time with help from Bo and uh, Simon and, and Herb. So yeah, we've got 10 songs in the, that one the first three are really cool too, and one of them I don't, I don't, doesn't really have a title yet, but I call it number one. <laughs> that's tall right now, and uh, that's, I think it's just a great song. It's got some catchy parts, really cool. Doesn't have a title yet, maybe I'll write. It. I think her has something going for that one. But yeah, I mean, we're I'm hoping to have these songs together. We want to play some of them live, you know. I mean. I don't have all the guitar parts that I'll have on the record yet written, really, but we can play a version of these, some of these new ones. It should be really fun. We've been focusing on just this record, really, so we haven't added any much more new songs to our set yet. I'll see what I can do, but we've got kind of a course that we've been playing. But it looks like we'll have to play some new stuff, so it'll be pretty fun. We're not like Slayer, who has to play rain and blood every time or anything. I mean, it's kind of cool. I mean, we got some songs that we definitely would want to leave out of the set. You know, like Hail, Eternal Darkness, Return of the Black Death. But, yeah. So, the new album, kind of working on how we're going to get it recorded. We're ready to record. We're just trying. We're not going to go back to the studio we've been using for the last 10 years or whatever. 11, 12 years. So the new age and recording, we're working on getting this going. We'll be doing some drum tracks here. 
in a few weeks. So, and also I've got a couple of splits too. So I got a got a couple of other songs I'm putting together because we're doing a split seven inch and a song for a compilation with the Head Split Records. And I got a live tape that I want to put out with two tracks, hopefully in the next couple of shows. So. Can you tell me about your three favorite compositions from this upcoming album? So, yeah, I just said number one. I think number one is really cool. The Doomy ones, they don't have names for them. So, uh, and then this one I just discussed uh, called The uh, Dispensation Rise of the Antichrist. So I think those are three great ones. I think the whole thing is great because I wrote every, pretty much every, every note of it. So this is for the first time in a long time, maybe the first time on any record where I've actually written. I think I've pretty much written every note of the record. Now I've had the help of the arrangements and ideas and whatever bounce ideas off. But yeah, I'm real happy with every riff. When you're judging your own work, it's really hard to love every part. There's always something that you, know, you didn't like or you could have done better. But right now I'm feeling really good. We've been developing this music for a couple of years now, so really had a chance to refine it. Unlike sometimes where some things could have been improved, or I think the material going in is outstanding. But I'm really looking forward to getting this recorded and done because I'm looking forward to writing a brand new record with just us three after we've had this chance to you know, play for a while. That's when the stuff's going to start happening. Really great music when you have a lineup together for a while. I really feel that chemistry really helps, you know what I mean, with a, with a band. That's why we've always had, I've always just wanted to, I don't like adding new members very infrequently. I don't really want to deal with new people. I don't really want to deal with too many people at all. The less people, the better. Tell me about what you're planning for your set list at the Famine Fest, and I guess what albums will be featured the most? Yeah, I'd sure like to, we have probably 70 songs in our catalog you know we got a new album so we got over 70 songs there's quite a few to choose from unfortunately we're really just not doing anything from our first album right now but uh i will be adding a few songs from that in the future but we're definitely doing two songs from our second record extermination revelry and we're doing two songs from hail infernal darkness and we're doing let's see we're doing songs from, I think we're only doing one song from Travel Like That. And we're doing like three, three from uh, Feeding Hell's Furnace. So we got like about a nine song set of older material. And then we've got probably three or four we can do of the new ones at this time, maybe even more. Yeah, I want to make sure, I'm going to try to add some more songs. I mean, there's, we only got a couple of weeks. I think I can probably get maybe one more new, one more old song, and we can certainly plow through any of the new ones. We can't wait and start playing them, but we wish we had a, a product out. And we just, uh, we're not really on a label at the moment. And I'm just not able to just do a bunch of mail order, so we just don't really have, personally right now, we don't, we aren't handling any merchandise, just a little bit of stuff we'll be selling at the show, but looking forward to putting together some online availability of our products. I mean, they're out there. Distributors, Odin has, Moribund has, I think, all the records, all the five records that he put out. I don't know if you can get Feeding Hell's Furnace. I'm sure there's distributors, but 
But that's the set. I got 19 songs we can play right now if we don't have any more. I don't think we'll get a chance to play that many. Not all of them have lyrics. Tell me about some of the merch you'll actually be selling at Salmon Fest for people. I don't really have much merch right now. We have a little bit of shirts, but they're old, old shirts. Unless I don't see us being able to get anything new at the moment, unfortunately. I think I'll have all the CDs. I think I'll have some vinyl copies of Eating House Furnace. I might have some seven inches left of uh, uh, another great song that I really like called Conquerors of Sodom. The band decided to pull two songs off the record back in 2010. And we did a 7-inch. So before the record came out on Nuclear Winter, Nuclear Winter also put out 7-inch. has four songs called Conquerors of Sodom. It has two songs that are not on the album or CD. And uh, I should have copies of that. I should have DVD. We also made a DVD that has our three videos on it, which I think are really cool. It has a little live set. And it has a bunch of bootleg stuff. I think I might even have copies still of uh, our Plague Bearer 7 inch, Rise of the Goat. Uh, I did quite a few years ago with us. Basically, it's a side, we did it as a side project. Plague Bearer, Rise of the Goat. That came out on Nuclear Winter. That's kind of what got me hooked this up with Nuclear Winter. I think that came out in 2004, or I recorded it in 2004. Came out a few years later. But Plague Bearer, Rise of the Goat. Should have copies of that. So lots of music. I don't have a lot of shirts. I'm working on getting together the live set, um, some live recordings from these next couple shows. Hopefully, if there's anything usable, we'll put together a live tape. That would be cool. Um, and we're gonna re-release some of the demos. So we're probably gonna get the cassette of the Plague Bearer original demo, which is awesome. 1993 Bubonic Death got four songs, about 15 minutes. It's Herb and I. Danny Hodge plays bass. He was also in John and Quarter in the early days. And uh, the drummer is Dave Procopio, who was in Disbelief. And members of Disbelief actually became Blood Rituals, who put out a couple of records on Moribund. And uh, our artist and artwork for their first record. So a lot of ties there. That Plague Bear, it's pretty classic. It's pretty awesome um, demo, and we'll probably have the John and Quarter '96 demo out cassette redone. <clears throat> yeah, so there's a split seven inch that we're gonna be doing, and there's a song on a compilation cassette that we're gonna be doing. So I gotta get my recording situation figured out. We're probably gonna buy some gear eventually and just start doing a lot more in-house stuff. But yeah, a lot's going on, man. I'm excited. Can you explain the mindset of your band from being signed by the stateside Moorbund Records in Washington to transferring over to uh, Nuclear Winter Records in Greece? We're talking about really underground music. There's not a lot of commerce going on in this. this is, we're doing something we love doing, and uh, you know, I mean, we're still able to do this, and things are picking up, and you know, there's possibility you could make a little bit of money doing some touring or whatever. But um, Moorbund, Odin. I met him in 92, 93. He was at the earliest shows that we started doing and was distributing our demos from day one. It took until 2002 before we actually had him invest in a record. I mean, we, we financed our first record. We did a pressing. He did a, a second pressing and distributed it. And then he paid for 
the next four records. And everything's fine as far as I'm concerned. I mean, we're not rich, we're not making a ton of money for whatever reason. Um, when we did our next record, being Hell's Furnace, we weren't we were obligated. We were off. We were paid off on our contract. There's no reason why we couldn't go on more of them, but I mean, we just thought we'd try something different. Really, it was just a band decision, and um, there's no hard feelings, animosity, or or not like off more of them. I mean, we're just we're not on contract right now. We're not on contract with them with Odin right now, but there was no contract for Nuclear Winter. We financed the record. I think that he actually paid for the artwork, but we own it, we have it. We own our records, and um, unlike with Moribund, I gave him the rights to these records, those records, so he could put us on the map. I mean, he did a great job of just making things happen. Did a lot of merch, and made this band happen. But, you know, I sacrificed that work, those records. I mean, I, you know, they, they're more of one records. I don't own those. I can't do anything with those. I mean, we're, he's helping us license uh, Hail and Thorn with Darkness for vinyl release. That's our third record, uh, fourth record, actually. I can't wait. That's one of my favorites. So that's supposed to get a vinyl release. I'm looking forward to that. I'm still talking to Odin. We're still working together. And, uh, we may work it together again in the future soon. I'm not sure yet. A nuclear winner um, doesn't, as far as I know, is not active at the moment. And I have no idea. I mean, we have no contracts. I haven't talked to Anastasis. I don't think I've ever talked to him. I've emailed him, written letters. Dario, our old drummer, basically, he kind of uh, was mainly involved with uh, having them released having Anastasis from Nuclear Winger and Dead Congregation release that record. Um, we'd already done that Plague Bear thing with them years before, and uh, it was really cool. He did the 7-inch for me, too, and I'm really happy with it. Absolutely 100% pleased with the record and everything he did and Nuclear Winter did. Everyone seemed to notice Nuclear Winter like he was really doing something, but it's just an underground record label, and there was no contract, no promotion. They put out our record. We own it. I probably, I want to repress it. We're working on getting partners to repress things and uh, release our records and maybe finance future things. Yeah, there's not much to it. Um, I mean, Odin basically runs uh, more of on records with an intern or, you know, it's a one-man operation, just one guy working his ass off, dedicated in his life to music, making a lot of releases. So I've never had a problem with being on Moribund. I mean, I don't know what people think of his records or him or whatever, but it's always done me right. And as far as I'm concerned, we wouldn't even be known at all if we hadn't gotten together with him and he financed me making a bunch of records and videos and a DVD and a bunch of merch. So he took quite an investment in this band. <clears throat> I never had a problem with more of them. He always was trying to help us get on a bigger label. So he was told me squarely, so I'm happy to be with, have worked with more of them, and I'm happy to have done the nuclear winter. Everyone seems to have noticed it, and they really thought that was something. I don't know what, but <laughs> cool. You know, we get recognized. I just want people to hear the music. I'm you know, not, probably not going to make a living doing death metal. I live a pretty good life right now. 
and I wouldn't want to lower my life, my standard of living, relying on playing music or death metal. There's no health system, no health care, no retirement, no no dentist. Death metal doesn't have a very good retirement plan, so I've got to have my life together so I can do death metal. And uh, I'm not really worried about the business aspect. I'm looking for you know people to help me with that. I don't have time, nor do I really care about that. I'm an artist. You know, obviously, we need some help getting our stuff promoted and distributed and recorded, and you know, people help up. You know, it takes a lot of people to make a John and Quarter record, from the artist to the layout to the people who let you use their band room to a friend who helps you arrange a song to a guy who used to be in the band and helped write a riff. There's a lot that goes into a record, and it takes time, but we were on a roll at one point and i think i'm about to get back to that being able to crank out some records in a short amount of time once i have to figure out how to get them recorded because i didn't write songs all day but i don't have i can't remember 10 20 30 new songs so i need to, to lay down some of them so i can keep writing but yeah that's the story of the record label in the many years you've been a musician what is something a younger musician should realize about getting to perform at festival concerts? Well, festivals are a lot different than your normal local show or even a tour. You've got the short amount of time, it's like everything's late or different times or breaks or it's dark. Things are always dark. There's no light. I think the thing you should know is be flexible, be, be able to use other people's gear. It's best if not a bunch of people are bringing their own. The more gear we can all share, the better. So I figured out a little rig that is a lot easier to carry them all out. Hey, young bands out there getting ready to play a metal fest. You're probably going to be playing early in the day. Sorry. I mean, a young wizard would have to say to a young band playing a fest. You're playing early in the day. And there's not a lot of people there. So you got to be careful with these fests. Um, the draw to the fests are usually what's costing some money. The promoter has to figure out a way to get some people there. So they're going to have to pay somebody. They got terrorized for this one and engorged to reunite. So that's their draw. That's their draw for the show. And you got John and Quarter, you know, who are playing before the headline. So I don't know how much people that will draw. I mean, that adds to the pot. We're not quite to the level of a band where people are going to fly across the country or around the world to come see yet. You know, depending on the kind of festival you're playing, you know, you got to be realistic about what the turnout's going to be. You know what I mean? And if we're playing the tonic final, that's not uh, an arena. So it's going to be a little dusty, sweaty little show, and it's going to be probably packed. It's going to be awesome. Um, Fortunately, you stick around long enough, maybe you can play later in the night. So, you know, fortunately, we'll be playing a little bit later in the night. I'm not even sure when I'm going to get there because I'm going to have to work the day before and the day after. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what I could say to a young band other than just be careful with these stuff because uh, <laughs> if you live in Portland and you're playing a fest, that's great. But if you're driving, we're coming to Maryland to play the, a pre-fest show. I mean, you know, I don't have a guarantee. I mean, they're going to give us some money, but uh, 
you know, it's going to cost me some money. It's an investor something you got to do. You're going to have to invest a lot of time. You want to be in a death metal band? You know, you're probably not going to make any money at that. Probably not a lot of people ever make money playing death metal. So be prepared for that and be prepared to invest time and money into something. And the return is really satisfaction of just doing what you like doing. If that's not enough, you might want to reconsider doing this because, you know, there's not much of a financial reward. Um, not the kind of reward that I'd want to live on. <laughs> I mean, you can, people can make a living at it. Not much of a living for me. I'm sure even Morbid Angel has to do something for a living. Um, be realistic. Do it for the love of it. Final words. For me, well, and then I'm sure, I don't know who would be listening to this, but uh, you're probably not going to fly out to Famine Fest. But hey, man, maybe someone will post some videos. Maybe somebody, if you want to check out John and Porter, the music's everywhere. It's on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's on whatever. So check it out. If you can find copies of our records, buy them if you like it. Doesn't hurt. Check out some of that merch. Create a demand. Contact me on Facebook, and maybe we can see you on the road. So that's about it, man. Friend, friend, John and Quartered. This has been an interview with John and Quartered guitarist Shane by Nick Burkell on January 7th, 2015. Hey, what's up out there? It's Japan Nick. I'm glad everybody uh, was able to hear the interview tonight. Um, really had a good time uh, speaking with Shane. Um, one of the most uh, in-depth interviews I've had in quite some time, honestly. Um, he had just so much to say on everything, and it's just like, phew, really, really had a good time speaking with him. Now, music uh, coming up. We've got more drawn and quartered music. Likely Hail Infernal Darkness is coming up next. Uh, more hard music, some Acid Feast, uh, maybe another Bewitcher track or two, more Black Fast, more Hidden Intent, and uh, I'll see what else I have time for. If any of you all have a request, feel free to call in at 973-655-4256. All right, here we go with Hail Infernal Darkness from Drawn and Quartered. Thanks a lot for listening in to WMSC 90.3. It's 8.35 p.m. St-
All right, that was a double shot of Drawn and Quartered with Hail Infernal Darkness and Cryptic Consecrations. In case you missed the interview with uh, Shane, state, well, actually, um, pretty much just keep checking my uh, Twitter account, at Japan Nick, and I will be posting that later on in the weekend. So um, definitely check that out. And I might air it also on my show on Nuclear Rock Radio. I'll see if I can get away with that. But um, coming up now is some horrid. I played them earlier in the night with Infernal Crucifixion, and I think I'll play Invokers of Satan. And let me take a look at my set list. Uh, see, I also got Possessed by Death to play. So expect them and more bands playing the Famine Fest. Remember, people, tickets are still available. And uh, contact uh, Chris Nukula and um, just... I mean, go on Facebook, look up Famine Fest, and you'll be able to find how to get tickets to that festival. Um, it's really awesome, and uh, you, you definitely want to hit that up. It's at the Tonic Lounge, January 23rd and 24th. All right, here we go with Horrid Invokers of Satan. Here we go.
And that was just Invokers of Satan from Horrid. Now, hmm, what am I going to play next? I guess, uh, you know what? <laughs> got to uh, gotta get into some old stuff. I think, let me see if I can find it. Ah, yes, some old tankard. Here's Empty Tankard from Zombie Attack by the legendary tankard. <laughs>
And that was just uh, Empty Tankard from Tankard from Zombie Attack, the debut album from the legendary uh, Teutonic Thrashers from Germany. Um, now, coming up is Horrid, another track with uh, their self-titled song, Horrid. Uh, definitely really digging this and uh, looking forward to checking those guys out at Famine Fest. Stay tuned. Here we go. Yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> 
All right, it's 9.05 p.m. You're listening to WMSC 90.3 in Little Falls, New Jersey from Montclair State University with Japan Nick. And you are listening to Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. Now, for the last hour we heard, starting off, was my interview from Wednesday with John and Quartered guitarist Shane um, Kelly Kusiamba and uh, learned a ton of about like old school metal Seattle scene, advice on playing festivals, and all sorts of other stuff. Then we played uh, John and Quartered's uh, Hail Infernal Darkness and Cryptic Consecrations. Uh, then followed that up with some Horrid with Invokers of Satan, uh, Tankard with Empty Tankard, and the self-titled song by Horrid. You guessed it, Horrid. Now, just uh, got to play a few uh, messages and... We will be back playing likely more music from, I guess, Acid Feast, Bewitcher, Blackfast, Hidden Intent, and more. Stay tuned to WMSC 90.3. 